Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Rainier. Rainier, how goes? I am still shook. You are shook. I am shook. What a weekend. Yeah, I think the entire world is kind of processing what happened. Over the weekend? They're either processing what happened or are avoiding spoilers like the plague left and right because <laughs> right. everyone, everyone is talking about this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, indeed, we're going to dive into Infinity War today. But first, we wanted to just give a quick shout to Cape and Cowell Comics. They had a pretty unfortunate incident happen to them over the weekend. There was a break-in. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, disturbing. Yeah, dude. It's really kind of disheartening. And um, some pretty high value books were stolen yeah. from the store. They busted the door open and they went right for the wall books, all the high value stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one didn't feel like a random act. You know, it seemed like kind of planned out. So pretty fucked up. I, I hate I, I hated seeing that picture. I hated the idea of someone breaking into Aton's store because Aton gives so much back to the community. Yeah. He's involved with, with Oakland. He's he's Oakland. Yeah. You know? Yep. And for the, the for his shop to be violated like that. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. And you know, comic shops around the country are are struggling, you know, it's not easy to maintain these businesses in this day and age and to hear about something like this is really terrible and i want to encourage anyone listening right now to support cape and cowl this saturday is free comic book day and um it's a great day to go visit cape and cowl um just go man go and and uh support this amazing business and uh yeah. I mean, I would say support any comic book store anytime. Yeah, patron your local yeah. small business. But, you know, particularly this weekend, a lot of comic book shops are kind of pulling out all the stops this Saturday. So support your local store for sure. <laughs> all right. So let's get into it. So I thought we'd sort of uh, split this episode up into two parts. The first part being a spoiler free section. I and don't then, know how we're going to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I either. really don't. Um, and then the second part will be spoiler filled. And we'll give a big heads up when we go into spoiler territory, which kind of what you're alluding to, I think it's going to happen pretty soon. So we're going to like talk 30 seconds about it's awesome. Okay, this is what happened. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, but that said, let's start with our non spoiler take. Why don't we start with you, Renair? What are your thoughts after seeing this film? Oh, man, it was a home run on all levels. I really enjoyed it. Every character that you see in the trailer, everyone gets their moment to shine. Yeah. There are surprises left and right. And it's great to just see this entire universe interact. It really is. You know, going in, I had a lot of concern about, wow, it seems like there's too many characters. How are they going to pull this off? But, I mean, they really pulled it off. It, it really worked, you know? Um, now, what are your thoughts about... Yeah, let's address like the amount of characters in it. There are a lot of characters in it. Do you feel like, like, oh man, certain characters got shortchanged? 
like oh, I didn't get enough of a certain character. Did you have that feeling at all? You know, I, my initial feeling walking away from the movie was that it was really well balanced character wise. Yeah. If there's anyone that got the short end of the stick, I can't think of it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Some characters, their screen time was certainly lessened. I mean, obviously lessened from their solo flicks, right? But the way they were used was so great. Yeah, everyone made a contribution. Like, there was no one there that was needlessly placed because of the sheer idea of just having them on screen. Like, every, it was balanced. Like, they did a great yeah. job of, of, of doing that across so many different characters, man. That's, that's yeah. a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. So, from the sounds of it, both of us had a very positive experience watching this movie. Um, but let's go onto the topic of like how dark the movie was. I want to say that this was, you know, a very positive experience in that I thought it was a great flick, but I wouldn't say it was a whole lot of fun. <laughs> you no, know, the, yeah, you by, know, like, by, by all means, right. That's right? correct. Yeah. The way, you know, you had a lot of fun with Thor Ragnarok, with Spider-Man Homecoming, with the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, but, yeah, I definitely wouldn't categorize this movie as, quote-unquote, fun. It's a hard movie to watch. It's very dark. This is the Empire Strikes Back of the MCU, in my opinion. Yeah. I think everyone shares that same opinion. Right. That's a pretty good description. Although, I would say this movie, to me, feels a lot darker than Empire. You know, Darker? I, I think so. Because at least with Empire, you know, there are some moments where, you know, that the rebels are sort of getting stuff done, you know, like um, whether it's, you know, Leia and Chewie rescuing Luke at the end. You know, that was kind of a bright spot. Um, but, I mean, it's arguable. But I think with Infinity War, it's just beginning to end. It's just darkness, man. I'd say I'd say it's equally dark in different ways in the sense that with Empire, I mean, you don't have the... You don't have... Okay, we're well, spoiler-free, right? You don't have the kind of ending you had with uh, with Infinity War. <laughs> you don't... Yeah. You see... Okay, let's just put it this way. Empire Strikes Back, you see a hand lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of uh, Infinity War, ah, we're not doing spoilers. <laughs> not yet. See? I see where you're driving at, though, because with Empire, our heroes go through a lot. Like you said, Luke loses his hand, and... Um, Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, but uh, no one really dies. No one's no one's dead, right? But and it's we'll, still, yeah. it, but it, it's impactful because, like in the first film, you know, the good guys win. There's a celebration at the end. Yeah. Second one, no celebration. No. It's a very somber ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with this one, as we're going to get into. Maybe we do see some death. Uh, so we'll talk about that. But there is a lot of darkness in this movie. And I would say right from the very beginning. So it was very telling. The Marvel logo sequence. Are we going to... Let's just go into spoilers now, dude. Let's just do it. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> spoilers. Alert, alert, alert. If you haven't seen this movie, stop listening. Even warned. Right now. Tune out. Okay. So yeah, the logo sequence. So, the the uh, famous Marvel Studios logo sequence, it you know 
has been this sort of triumphant uh, declaration to the audience of superheroes, and it is almost always accompanied by this great uh, heroic score, right? Not the case here. Like, it was almost silent. It had this kind of eerie, somber feel to it, you know? Mm-hmm. You see the same images. You see Iron Man, Cap, and all the Avengers uh, appear, but um, the, the music is toned down, and right away you're like, oh, this is going to go into a dark place. Actually, you know, the reason why I don't think I heard or didn't hear the music that was not playing was because everyone in our theater was just cheering okay, their heads yeah. off. <laughs> so I didn't catch that. Uh, interesting. And I was in a Dolby theater, so like I should have known that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, you know, I didn't catch that. Yeah. There's just too many excited heads in the theater. Right. And um, that did carry on into the, the opening scene yeah. where it was similarly very grim, right? Yeah. Oh, man, what an opening sequence. Yeah. So I, going into this movie, I knew, I mean, like all of us knew, I mean, just from the trailers alone and just from the fan speculation and doing a really good job of, by the way, staying away completely from spoilers, even to the Rotten Tomato score, I'm proud to say, I didn't see it. But we yeah. knew going into this that there were going to be some broken hearts. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone right. was kind of mentally prepared for it. And, you know, that said, I was still unprepared for what I experienced watching this movie yeah. for the first time. Are, are you going into it right now? Are you going to dive into this? Um, we did talk about the opening sequence. That's a good place to start because we do see major character deaths from the get-go, Yeah. right? Yep. So, I mean, there is this haunting feeling in the beginning of the scene where you see that ship with all the Asgardians completely, like, broken, and then you see a lot of Asgardians dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it takes place right scary. off the heels of Thor Ragnarok. That's where it's where it begins. Yeah, because in the post credit scene, it finds the ship that Korg had commandeered in front of Thanos' ship. That's right, and that's a great contrast because the end of Thor Ragnarok was such a fun and uplifting end to a fun and uplifting movie that. Oh, man, what a stark contrast here, right? It's like Downerville right from the beginning, you know? Oh, yeah. Are we talking about who's the first one to go? Let's go. Dive into it. All right. I'll let you do the honors because you've met this guy. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm going to let you do the honors because you've met this guy. Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, probably the most significant death in the film happens in this opening scene. Yeah. Right? And that is, of course, spoiler alert, it's Loki. Okay. Oh, before you dive into that. Yeah. So you know why I think Loki was chosen to be the first? I mean, not only was it a bold statement saying, oh, you better be prepared because anyone's going to be able to go, is because Loki has really been the focus of of the main villain for the entire Avengers crew. Yeah. And I think this was a way of the Russo brothers telling us, everything you know about bad guys, forget about it. It's mm-hmm. dead. We've got yeah. Thanos. Right. That's a great comment because it was a statement. I feel like it was a big statement, not only to what you're saying, you know, guess what? You think you know supervillains? Here's a badder motherfucker right here, you know, the baddest motherfucker, arguably. Um, And he does kill Loki. Thanos kills Loki. 
Um, no so, mercy. Yeah, no mercy. In front of his brother, <laughs> his adopted yeah, brother. Yeah, dude. Or his adoptive. <laughs> but, you know, not only that, just a comment on supervillains, but it's a comment on the MCU to date. We've talked about this. The MCU doesn't kill its characters, right? You know, they... That was my biggest worry, that they were going to Disneyfy yeah. and make everything rosy and rainbows. Right. Everyone actually doesn't die or they come back. Right. So when they kill Loki, they kill Loki. Right. It's unmistakable. And Thanos even says it right after he kills him. There will be no resurrection here. He says the yeah. words. Right. It's a statement. It's like what you're saying. It's a statement. It's telling the audience, like, guess what? No more bullshit. We're killing people. And this is just the beginning. So you better strap in and get ready. In with the new. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I had met Tom Hiddleston in the past and he's a delightful guy and it was tough watching the life get drained out of him in the very beginning of this fucking movie, you know? Yeah. And um, I uh, had a feeling this would happen. I had mentioned on a previous episode that I did predict Loki's death. But it didn't really make it easier to watch, man. It was rough, dude. Was there any part of you thinking, oh, this is just a hologram of Loki and he's just playing trickster to Thanos? I mean, I was looking for those cues because Loki has cheated death a lot in the MCU. You know, in the Dark World, he seemingly died only to um, show up at the very end disguised as Odin, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he's just one of these guys who has a way of surviving and he has his trickery he can make like duplicates of himself and stuff yep. um, but the way this scene was shot it's unmistakable like it's not happening out of frame right you see it happening in a very brutal in your face way you know he's getting strangled you know he's not getting like shot or like there's Stab. a building that he he's in that explodes like you see the life that's come out of him he actually appears uh, blue, like a frost giant, you know, and you can tell he's dead, you know, uh, it's rough. Yeah, it is rough. And then who comes to the, who, who seemingly tries to come to the rescue is the Hulk. Right. Right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. What are, I mean, crazy. okay. Yeah. I mean like, you know, you're in for a good fight when you see Hulk charging through. Yeah. But the first, the first like, you know, blow to blow action is Thanos like smacking the Hulk's throat and the look on <laughs> yeah. the Hulk's face it's it's almost as if he was like a child getting in a fight for the first time and getting slapped in the face for the first time he was like whoa what was this yeah because Hulk yeah. doesn't feel pain Hulk just charges through right and right there I was like oh wow okay he's Thanos is gonna be he's gonna be a challenge for the Hulk okay wow this is gonna be crazy <laughs> and I would argue that uh, you know the Hulk wasn't much of a challenge to Thanos you know, no, I think the no, beginning no. of that fight, Thanos kind of let Hulk get some shots in, and then he just took over. Yeah. He just took him apart, you know? Now, that wasn't the sheer strength of Thanos, right? That was because he already had the Power Stone. Was that what allowed him to go toe-to-toe with the Hulk? Oh, interesting question. Now, he did have the Power Stone at that moment, but my sense is that he didn't use that stone to defeat the Hulk. You know, I, I felt like it was just his fighting prowess skill his skill and his strength you know like yeah. i think his strength is comparable to the hulk as we saw in that fight but where he had the advantage was his his fighting skill it was watching like like a trained professional boxer 
against some random dude on the street, basically, you know, mm. throwing like flailing wild haymakers, you know. So equal strength, but skill over raw, like power. I think so, because at no moment in that fight did I see his infinity gauntlet light up or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just took it to him, man. It was a street fight, and he just, like, annihilated him. <laughs> it was, again, a statement. Because we've seen how powerful the Hulk is in this universe. You know, you can't fuck with the Hulk. Yeah. But in this fight, he was he was beat down. Oh, man. So at this moment, I was, so at this point, too, like, oh, and Hemdall as well. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another fairly significant death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, with him, I feel like it's a little sad because I feel like he never really got the screen time and the character development and the storyline that he should have. You know, he, he's appeared a lot in this universe, and he just really never uh, did a whole lot. I feel like you know? he's the character that quietly helped save the day. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like he could have had more screen time. Not in this movie, but in past Thor films, yeah. he could have. He's had little moments here and there, but he never really had that big moment. And then he, he is taken no, no, out. I would say that he had a pretty good moment in Ragnarok when he was helping everyone flee Asgard and, and go into hiding from, from Hela. Yeah, arguable. I mean, certainly... Maybe we just wanted more of that. Uh, yeah, that's how I felt. I mean, he certainly had a bigger role than the... Warriors 3 in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, Idris Elba is a big star, and I think everyone thought he would be <laughs> well, doing look at, more. Look at, uh, look at Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the faux Loki. There you go. Yeah, he's a big star. Um, so, yeah, two major deaths right from the start. And, um, yeah, let's keep going here. So what else can we say? Oh. Know, I, I didn't realize this until after the film, but I was thinking, oh, man, if he annihilated – the you know all of Asgard, that means Korg is gone potentially, Valkyrie is gone. Mm -hmm. Although a friend of mine did watch it the second time, and he did catch this line later on where, uh, where Rocket and and Thor were talking, yeah. and Thor made this comment about you know half of my people are destroyed, and mm -hmm. you know it's it's in Thanos's mindset to allow half the people to live, half the people to die. Right. So I'm thinking, oh, there is still hope that oh, yeah. Korg and Valkyrie is still around. I think so. I think particularly they wouldn't kill Valkyrie off screen, you know? No, I think she deserves, she's still out she deserves better than that. I think so, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, you know, as it was, two major Asgardians are no longer with us. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. You know, I wanted to get into some of the awesomeness of this movie. Like, I don't think we can go through every single scene. We could. Like, this will just step. be like a six-hour <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I got to say, there are so many awesome little moments throughout this movie, and we can call those out. Right? So some of the things that stuck out to me, Yeah. I really love the dialogue between Thor and the Guardians, especially yes, Thor yes. and Star-Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of those moments where these guys interact, and, you know, it's just hilarious. Yeah. Drax, so, Drax was a surprise hit for me. Yeah. Like, he was a surprise hit for me in Guardians 2, as much as he was here in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, his line when they first see Thor is, and he's talking to Star-Lord, right? He's like, you are a dude. This is a man. 
<laughs> hilarious oh my god and then almost like kind of building on that moment star lord took the stance of trying to one up yeah he's trying to one up thor like trying he's to, sort yeah. of jealous of all the attention that thor was getting you know and it's just like super funny it's like come on man this is the god of of, th- of thunder <laughs> yeah can't compare yeah and it played upon you know his relationship with gamora gamora was kind of feeling thor too right and he was just getting like super jealous and um there's an immaturity to the guardians that plays so well with the seriousness of the movie yeah it brings some levity to the feeling of the film yeah absolutely so yeah definitely that was on my list of like great moments when thor and the guardians interacted and like super hilarious man (laughs) um what else? So, I mean, yeah, speaking of the comedy, like, there's quite a bit of comedy in this movie, even though, like we've been saying, it's a very dark movie, right? Again, with the Guardians, like, the interaction between Iron Man and the Guardians is great, too, right? So, there is that moment in one of the trailers where, like, Star Lord is kind of pissing on Stark's plan. Yeah. You know? And uh, Tony's like, wow. But. In the movie, it's actually a little different, right? Like, that scene is slightly different. In the trailer, Stark does react with a wow after Star-Lord says that. Yeah. In the actual movie, Tony just kind of stares off blankly <laughs> to There's, the distance, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, they did do a really different take on the trailer than they did in the movie. Like, that was an example. In the trailer, you see the Hulk running with Captain America, yeah. Black Panther, in Wakanda. That that wasn't in the movie. Uh, Bruce Banner was in the in the in the Hulk Buster 2.0, yeah. running through Wakanda. In fact, you don't see the Hulk at all in Wakanda. That's right. And then I don't know if you noticed this too, but remember the scene where uh, Thanos has his glove over Cap, and he, Cap is holding him from closing his fist. Yeah. There were no. There was. I, I think just the Power Stone was on his glove. All the other stones didn't exist. Oh yeah. But in that time in the movie, he already had all the stones at that point. That's right. So they edited that out as well. So I think That's they did right. a really good job cutting a trailer that didn't reveal too much and i that, now that i think about it i think that's a great way to release trailers yeah yeah, then yeah it keeps everyone on their toes that is a great point because i do remember specifically that moment in the trailer when thanos is like putting the gauntlet down on cap and there is like at most two stones in there mm-hmm. you know in the movie he's got a fully loaded fucking yeah. gauntlet well actually he's missing the mind stone at that point right He's got five of six mm-hmm. because he's trying to get at vision at that point, and Cap's like keeping him away from vision. Right. So he's got five of six. Definitely different from the trailer, right? Yeah. So crazy. So whoever filtered through that, whoever edited that trailer, did a great job. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. So Stark had a cool moment with another guardian too, with Mantis. <laughs> so like he's like, "Who are you guys?" And she's like, "We're the Guardians of the Galaxy." We, uh, what's her line? She says, uh, we kick <laughs> names and take ass. <laughs> and then again, Stark has this blank look that's just like perfect RDJ doing his thing, right? So good. Um, I loved the moment when Captain America meets Groot because, <laughs> of course, Groot says, I am Groot. And in like perfect Captain America sort of naivete, he says, kind of like oh i am steve rogers <laughs> you know <laughs> totally hilarious because they've never interacted prior yeah. to that point I mean, it is these are a lot of first you know coming together for a lot of these guys so yeah it is the perfect response because yeah. kind of like we were saying earlier pretty much all characters didn't get 
a lot of screen time. You know, I think notably Captain America. You know, I thought because the Rooster Brothers were directing this, I thought they were going to give Captain America a little bit more favoritism. Mm-hmm. But honestly, in the bigger scheme of things, he was more of a background character yeah, than he anything. Was, he was at best a side character. The, my favorite moment with Cap, though, I don't know why this is, but it was when him and Black Panther were taking the charge and running oh, side by side yeah. uh, against uh, Thanos' army. Dude, they led so the good. charge, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is this is the way <laughs> this is the way Winter Soldier started, with Cap running circles around Falcon." Oh yeah, and I right. was like, "That's that's a great call out to that." I think the Rooster mm-hmm. Brothers did a good job of allowing everyone's character from their respective movie to to shine, like yeah. taking some sort of nod uh, from those films and and putting them in this movie subtly, you know, not making it blaringly obvious and and kitschy. Uh, but he blended in really well with the story. Oh, totally. Yeah, like I was saying, Cap is basically a side character in this movie, but he gets all these great moments. Yeah. And the same goes for T'Challa, you know? Black Panther... Get this man a shield. Yeah. What a line. That's so great. great. And, you know, he does very little, even less than Cap in this movie. But those little moments are so great where he calls out Cap's shield... And then, of course, right before they take that charge at uh, Thanos' army, he calls out Wakanda forever. Yeah. Does the salute. Yeah. And then they fucking charge right at these villains. Oh, let's not forget we get, oh. uh, we get a little more M'Baku. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> From indeed. Black Panther. But when he called out Wakanda forever, dude, I wanted to jump out my seat and charge at that screen myself dude i'm so amped up so awesome yeah it was a great build up to that fight scene yeah absolutely so what else something notable too again walking with the expectation of knowing that's you know there were going to be some deaths yeah there's a scene where thanos there's this great fight scene between thanos and iron man and they're going toe-to-toe with each other oh yeah tony stark a human being going toe-to-toe against a titan yeah and And Dude, that oh, fight was man. so awesome because, I mean, just Iron Man versus Thanos alone, I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? But there are crazy stakes here. Like, Tony Stark is in deep shit. Like, we know as the audience that his life is on the line. Yeah. And I could feel the tension in the audience. People were sitting on pins and needles, man. So scared. At that moment, I was like, I was just like, okay, here it comes, man. I just yeah. got to I gotta mentally embrace for this. And Stark gets stabbed through, gets too. stabbed. I, had, I, I audibly gasped <laughs> when that happened because I was like, this is it. Yeah. Tony Stark's done. Yeah. His contract's up. Yeah, this is the end. This is the end of Iron Man. But uh, no, lo and behold, he manages to survive that. Right, barely. And that's the thing too. Like I've I've noticed, I'm sure you've noticed the same theme that, you know, there's a there's a scene with with Gamora and Star Lord, and she's desperately begging, having Star Lord promise that he kill her or he kill her before, you know, if Thanos ever gets his grip on her. Yeah. Right. It's it's choose choosing love over 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 saving the universe, mm-hmm. and then same with Tony Stark, Spider Man, um, and uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's like Doctor Strange was like he said, "I'm going to, I'm going to save the universe, even if it means having you guys die." Yeah, but in the end, they still picked love and friendship over saving the universe. Have you noticed that theme? I did notice that theme, although I would say with Doctor Strange. 
I think it's a little more complicated than that because I think on the service level, it did seem like, oh, he's kind of going back on what he said. He said he did, he did go back, right? He said he wouldn't save Stark or Spider-Man over giving up the time stone, right? And that's exactly what he did. He gave up the time stone in order to save Stark, right? But I think his motivation wasn't so much to save his new friend because if you recall, there was a scene where Strange is kind of analyzing different timelines. You know, yes. he's kind of like his head sort of... 14 million to be exact. <laughs> there you go. 14 million different scenarios. And he said there was like one favorable timeline, right? Now I'm thinking in that one timeline, he had a vision of Tony Stark alive. So I'm thinking his thinking was, oh, whatever I do, I have to keep this guy alive in order to go down that path. Mm-hmm. You know, so... So there's more of an agenda, more so than friendship. I think so. Or saving this guy over the universe. I think so. I think so. Yeah, oh, I could see that. Right. Um, but uh, there's a lot of speculation. This movie leaves us with so many more questions than we went in. And with, even right? that, so even with that overall theme, I feel like you could find that theme amongst everybody. That everyone is there to save something that they love, mm-hmm. right? Something that they hold dearly to them. But then you look at Thanos. The one thing that he does love, Gamora, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of embracing and holding Gamora because of his love for her as a you know as his daughter, he decides to let her go. Yeah. So now this now our villain has nothing holding him back, <laughs> right? There's nothing yeah. that ties him to his respective level of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. He's just looking for absolute power. Yeah. And, you know, I think you just called out an interesting theme of this movie and maybe why this movie feels so dark. In this movie, it really is this sort of, like, cold heartlessness conquering. You know, here's a guy who puts love aside and he gets shit done, right? All these other guys who have all these uh, sentimental attachments, they're the ones who get fucked over, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's this cold, dark world where... Like the evil bad guys who who just completely put love and caring and friends out the window, they're the ones who conquer. They yeah. triumph, you yeah. know? Oh, man, it's a dark, grim feeling, you know? How did you feel as Thanos as a villain? Did you see, did you see his point of view? Did you sympathize with him? Do you believe him as a villain? Did he have conviction in what he was doing? That's a good point because a lot of people are praising this character. Like this is a Marvel villain done right. Like a lot of criticism at the MCU has been toward the villains, right? And I think the Russos were smart to really develop this character. You know, like there's no way they could have character development with all the characters in this movie. There's just too many, right? And there's a built-in character development with all these heroes, right? We've seen them before. We know what they're about, but we don't really know Thanos. And they were smart to develop his character. We got to know him. We got to know his motivations and everything. And that was good. You know, that said, I never felt like I was on Thanos' side. Mm. Like, he just... I mean, there are so many beloved superheroes in this movie that there's no way I would be like cheering Thanos dude I was down man when he was like beating down Iron Man when he's just fucking the Hulk up like it wasn't a good feeling dude it was not a good feeling 
I felt really bad for Gamora. I mean, that's her father by by all means. He yeah. raised her. Yeah. And yeah. it it was interesting seeing seeing how much he cared for her, for her, and then being able to let her go. I wouldn't say easily. It looked like he struggled with that. He did, yeah, but did. he 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 still made that call. Yeah, and yeah, we didn't call that out. Another major character death. Gamora dies in this movie in order for Thanos to get the Soul Stone, the final Infinity Stone, right? Um, I was super surprised, dude. I know there's a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out. Yeah. And I would not have guessed that any of those characters would die in this movie. What a surprise. <laughs> Holy shit. Gamora, too, of all. Yeah, she's like a major part of that team, right? Yeah. So well, pretty Groot, Groot technically died. Oh, right. Yeah. In, in the first movie, <laughs> the first right? One. And he comes back. So, I mean, shoot, it's the MCU. Anyone can come back, but... Um, I mean, that's comic books in general. Yeah. That was the only thing that kept me hoping at the end is like, come on, they're not all really dead. <laughs> right. And everyone in the comics comes back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting point. So we saw Loki, Heimdall, and Gamora die. We saw another pretty significant character die at the end of the movie, right? Vision. Vision does die mm-hmm. at the end, right? Um, now, those four character deaths, in my opinion, are quote-unquote real deaths. I don't think those guys are coming back. Right, right. Right? Wait, by the way, were you, was, it, was it hard for you to believe how easily Vision was, was, was beat in the first fight he was in? Oh, so this is in Scotland, right? Yes. Before Captain America arrives. Right. And you have to remember, he is the result of Ultron, who was super powerful. <laughs> so you would assume that Vision would be just as powerful. In the comics, he's, he's, he's incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah. I did buy it, and here's why. Because they surprised, attacked him, and they wounded him before the fight even began right they kind of stabbed him through when i say they this is the black order um, i think it's proxima midnight who actually stabs him through right um so he's wounded he cannot do his uh transparency thing mm-hmm, phasing yeah. his phasing out yeah so he's fighting not at full strength so that's why i kind of bought him and scarlet Witch, another very powerful character mm-hmm. i bought them getting bested by these Black Order characters and then needing help from Cap, Falcon, and Black Widow. Mm. Yeah. And real quick, that moment. Holy shit. So we have not seen Captain America for a couple of years in the MCU, right? Since Civil War. Yeah. And here's maybe where the Russos had some Cap favoritism. They gave him the best fucking reveal in this movie. Oh, my God. So... It's uh, Wanda and Vision, like, they're in deep shit. Like, the Black Order is just about to kill them, right? They fought valiantly, but uh, the end is just about to come. And then you see the shadowy figure in the background behind a train or something, Mm -hmm. and it's Cap. From out of the darkness. Out of the darkness, man. And it's such a great way to bring him back because, you know, that's how he's been operating. Yeah. You know, he hasn't been Captain America shield super soldier right he's been operating in secret can i can i ask you this did you get did you read captain america as nomad 
in the comics. Oh, I didn't read uh, all those books. I'm familiar with, uh, yeah, with I'm that storyline. Same, but I, I got that sense that yes. they were bringing back not Captain America, but Nomad. Yeah. I mean, like, there was no red, white, and blue. The star mm-hmm. was clearly ripped from his chest. Yep. He no took the star shield. off his chest. There was nothing patriotic about him. Like, he has, yeah. like he's done with, with you know, mm-hmm. with the with the institution of, of our government. Yep. But then when he emerges out of the darkness, man, and they start playing that Avengers theme song, and then Falcon and Black Widow come, and... Uh, kick some royal ass that was amazing dude that was one of my top moments in the movie that fight scene so awesome okay wow what else we got any other uh, particularly oh. awesome stuff so uh, for okay you? so the iron spider iron spidey suit okay yeah, let's talk about that all right what do you think of that suit i gotta say <laughs> wait look, before you say that okay you've, you've told me time and time again yeah. that you've you hate the iron man suit in civil war the comics it's, it's uh, the, a, the Spider-Man the suit. Spider-Man, the Iron Spider-Man the suit. The Iron, it's, it's literally called the Iron Spider. Yes. Yeah. And in the comics, it's just red and gold. It's basically Iron Man, but a spider version of Iron Man. Yes. Right? Um, so, what did you think of the Iron Spider? So, yes. I've never been a fan of that suit in the comics. And I remember when they kind of hinted at it at the end of Homecoming, right? Um Stark is essentially offering a membership to the Avengers, to Peter Parker, and offering him this awesome new suit, right? Um, and when Peter Parker turns it down, I was kind of celebrating because, like, I just, I'm not a fan of this suit, man. Look, that's not Ditko Spider-Man. It's very, like... Hollywood? Uh, well, it's more than Hollywood. It's Spider-Man plus Iron Man, you know. <laughs> It's called the Iron Spider. It's literally a merging of these two characters. And, you know, for my money, I want Spider-Man to stand alone. Um, And he's already relied on Stark so much in this universe that this is just kind of furthering that, right? Um, And then not only is it like an Iron Man-type Spider-Man suit, we do see in this movie... The, the spider legs come out too, right? Yeah. So it really becomes... Oh, so if there's anything that I was spoiled to to this movie was a couple weeks before release, um, some of the toy advertisements showed the Iron Spidey, showed the, showed the Iron Spider-Man suit with the with the tentacles coming out from the back. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Right, right. I would have been, been pleasantly surprised to have seen that come out on film than on a toy. Right. Yeah, it's hard, man. In our new spoiler-filled world, it's not just the trailers. It's not just the RT score. It's the merchandise, too, man. Yeah. So many ways to get spoiled. Come on, Hasbro. Uh, Yeah. But that kind of peeved me. You know, when we saw the the spider legs come out, to me, it was a direct nod to the comics, which, you know, is always cool to sort of uh, homage the source material. But like we've been saying, I've never been a fan of that. And... My hope is that, you know, we know that, well, it appears that RDJ is going to exit the MCU probably after the next Avengers movie. My hope is that at that point, Spider-Man will kind of be Spider-Man. He won't be Spider-Man with all these enhancements and all this like Stark tech and like kind of be his own person, you know. There's just too much Iron Man uh, involved. So in I'm character. on the other side of the fence here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I like I the Iron Spider. Um, I thought it was a really cool way to show how those tentacles can be used. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was awesome. I think I, I thought it worked well considering you're putting him in a suit that can go up against, you know, a villain of galactic proportions. Yeah. And I will say that. And it worked. It worked in, in, in the sense that, oh, Spider-Man's out in space. How the hell is he going to breathe out there? Yeah. You like, just know this it. works. Yeah. Yeah, he needed it. Like, if he's going to go into outer space, he needs something more. So, functionally, he needed it. So, I mean, so. spiders still need oxygen. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> at least it was, like, sort of in line for what the characters needed at that moment, right? Yeah, so. yeah. They made use of it. It was in context. And speaking of this great threat that they were up against, I want to call out this villain. This was my favorite villain in the entire movie. Maybe my favorite character in the whole movie, Ebony Maw. So he's one of the Black Order, right? And um, dude, this is so cool because I wasn't super familiar with this character going into the movie. So to me, he was this kind of proclaimer bad guy. You know, he's the guy who tells everyone what's going on, but he doesn't really do anything, right? He's sort he's, of like- He's the monologuer. Yeah, he's like, oh, rejoice, Thanos is here. You know, do not despair. He is merciful. And, um, you know, we're here to help you. And, and um, of course, what happens? Like, Thanos just kills people, right? Uh, so I thought he was that guy, right? He's, mm. he's really kind of frail looking. And I heard a pretty good description of him online. People were saying he looks like Voldemort after 10 years of meth use. <laughs> it's such a great description. Yeah. Because he doesn't look well, man. He looks wrecked. Um, and he doesn't look like like a, a like formidable a th- like a threat, right? He doesn't look like a formidable po- opponent, right? But this dude kicks ass, dude. Uh, so there's a great scene where Ebony Maw takes on Doctor Strange on the streets of New York City. And it is phenomenal, man. Because at this point, Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. We know what he can do. And Ebony Maw takes him on. He defeats Doctor Strange. He defeats Doctor Strange and captures him, and, um, you know, it's a sight to see, dude. His powers, I mean, like I said, it comes out of nowhere. I was I was not ready, <laughs> you know? Do you know much about, so you don't know much about his character or what his character was like in the books? Not really. No, just a little bit. I, I read a little bit of the Infinity series where he's introduced with the Black Order, but, yeah, I was not uh, familiar so much with him. He's like delightfully evil, you know, (laughs) Um, like the weekend after I saw this movie, the movie kind of put me in a dark place a little bit. And I just felt like let's let the world burn kind of attitude on my mind. I kept seeing this guy. It's like this guy sort of encapsulates like how I'm feeling right now. I was like, fuck everyone, dude. Ebony Maw all the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um. Any other awesome moments you want to call out? I mean, I think we got to talk about Thor a little bit because he is amazing in this movie. uh, He definitely got spotlighted here. Yeah. Uh, He went through an entire journey. He did. Um, Yeah. uh, Let's see. I don't even know where to start with Thor, (laughs) man. Well, we talked about the comedy, right? His interactions with the Guardians is great. Um, But he really crushes it dramatically, too. You know what I think really helped with that was a lot of his character – um, tone and tempo. I don't know why I'm using that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> <laughs> because of work. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that was carried from Ragnarok. Yeah. Like if Ragnarok didn't exist and then we suddenly saw Thor the way he is in Infinity War, I think a lot of people would be like, whoa, what the hell happened to Thor? Yeah. 
So Ragnarok, I think, was the best thing to, to happen to Thor in the mm-hmm. MCU because it carried very well into Infinity War. It did. It's this great contrast, man, because there's a scene. It's just Thor and Rocket, and Thor's kind of opening up to him, right? He's telling him about his backstory, and, you know, we know what's happened to him, but for him to sort of summarize, man, he lost his father, he lost his mother. No happy endings for him, yeah. Dude, he lost his people, and he just lost his brother, too, right? And he says it. He says I have no one. I lost everyone, you know? And uh, yeah, Hemsworth really crushes it in that scene. It's really heartbreaking. And, you know, more than any other character in this movie, you feel like, you know, he's the Avenger. Like, he wants to get Thanos. He really wants payback, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wants to end it exactly as how he promised in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he goes through this entire journey. He he meets the guardians. He goes out to find. Uh, he goes to uh, where's that place? Oh, he right. goes to that that dying star that helped create Molnir. Yeah. Um, With a giant Tyrion. A giant Tyrion. <laughs> yeah. A giant. Yeah. Giant Tyrion. There you go. I don't know what's. I don't want to be politically incorrect. <laughs> But it was cool seeing uh, Tyrion Lannister in there. Yeah. Ironically, as the largest character on screen. Uh huh. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. But that he nuts. he's the uh, he's the weaponsmith that crafted Molnir, and mm-hmm. uh, am I saying that right, Molnir? Yeah. And um, yeah, Thor is here to uh, help to find a weapon that can go against you know Thanos. Yeah. And there are a lot of moments where it seemed like Thor might die in this movie, right? In that opening scene, uh, we see Heimdall and Loki die. We also see Thor come really close to dying, right? There's a moment where Loki basically has to make a decision, right? Like Thanos is ready to kill Thor, and you know he's really close to doing it. Um, another moment of of a close call for Thor is when he's trying to get this uh, new weapon, right? Because he has to do this sort of, uh, speaking of work terms, a manual workaround (laughs) where he basically puts his own life on on the line in order to create this weapon, right? And I thought that might have been the end of Thor. Like, that might have been an exit for Thor. Like, in order to create this weapon that could best Thanos, Thor has to sacrifice himself. I, I totally could see that scenario happening. Yeah. Um, didn't quite happen. And instead, we get this awesome moment where Thor gets a new weapon, the Stormbreaker. Storm yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. That was I another like, amazing I really, moment. I really liked how, how Thor had essentially jumpstart the life of a dying star uh, to help, um, you know, Peter Dinklage's character yeah. forge that weapon. And I thought... I thought Groot's contribution was awesome. That was cool. Because Groot was essentially the handle of the Stormbreaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. here at this moment, I thought, oh, Groot's just kind of here as like, I am Groot, and that's yeah. you know, at the end of Groot. Yeah, you get some laughs, that's about it. But it goes back to what we were saying. Yeah, you everyone know, Everyone contributed. Everyone has a little part in this movie. It's so cool. Yeah. And then, of course, when Thor arrives at Wakanda with the Stormbreaker... It's amazing, man. He clearly has leveled up with this new weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty amazing to see uh, what he can do with this thing, right? Pretty awesome. You know, speaking of, did, did you catch anything that Black Widow contributed to the movie? You know, I was thinking that, and she doesn't do a whole lot. You know, she does, you know, get into some fights, 
and she was part of that fight in Scotland with Cap and Falcon. Yeah. And helping save Vision and Scarlet Witch from the Black Order. So that was cool. She was also in that fight on Wakanda with uh, Okoye and Scarlet Witch. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That, 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 there was there was a rhythm to that where there was a piece of dialogue that Black Widow threw out that actually kind of disrupted that rhythm for me. Oh, yeah? It was when, uh, it was when Wanda was uh, fighting, uh, what's her name? The, char- the other character from the Black... From the Black Order. Black Order. Yeah. And... Um, Black Widow is like something, something to the to the effect of "You are not alone." Like the dialogue was thrown out, like "Here you are, <laughs> you're gonna die alone," and then everything yeah. just stops. And then Black oh. Widow says, "You are not alone." And then it's <laughs> I think it's Okoye, Black Widow coming to the aid of Scarlet Witch. Okay, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. It almost felt like a forced line. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of Scarlet Johansson in the role. And I just think she doesn't really have the ap- the acting chops. And there are some awkward line reads, I think, in her time in the MCU. So, yeah, there's <laughs> that, that. why she hasn't had a standalone movie? Maybe. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. So, that's a, you, know, yeah. you know, I think, yeah, the, the, the positives do outweigh the negatives on this flick. Um, some little things I wanted to call out. Um, Ned. Ned is in the movie. <laughs> I love the fact that when we see, yeah, when we see Peter Parker get into his Spider-Man outfit, Ned is the distraction, right? I can't. Was Ned wearing his hat? I can't remember, but he's the guy. I don't want to say he was wearing the hat, dude. He was like, uh, "We're all gonna die." Yeah, (laughs) that was cool. (laughs) Another very cool thing, again, minor. When uh, Cap and Bucky are reunited on Wakanda. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Bucky has his new arm, Cap and Bucky see each other, and yes, this is big for me, Cap and Bucky do hug. They give a nice big hug. It's the hug that I really wanted at the end of Civil War, (laughs) but didn't happen. It was kind of like that uh, Star Wars thing where, was it Leia and Chewbacca don't hug? Instead, Leia hugs like... uh, (laughs) Um, the Daisy Ridley character, Ray, you know, <laughs> people are like, what the fuck, man? I felt the same way at the end of Civil War where like Cap's best friend is being put into like a, a cryogenic freeze, mm-hmm. you know, f- for like maybe a long, long time. And it's just sort of like, oh, peace out, dude. There's no hug, nothing. Right. I was like, he fought Iron Man to save this dude. Right. And there's no hug. Yeah. And almost as if the Russos were like thinking what I was thinking. They gave him the hug. A little bit of closure. The hug yeah. felt around the MCU. That's right, baby. <laughs> Loved it. Okay, cool, man. Uh, what else do you want to call out here? Should we talk about everyone dying? Quote, unquote, dying. Quote, unquote, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. The, uh, like the last, what, 30 minutes of the movie? Yeah. Or 15 minutes of the movie? Superheroes turning to dust. What is happening? Yeah. So at this point, so Thor, oh, let's talk about Thor, by the way. I don't think we talked enough about Thor. How awesome was that when Thor shows up in Wakanda? Fully powered, full mm-hmm. of thunder, yeah. brand new Stormbreaker. He showed up on screen the way I would have imagined seeing him. Like It's as if he popped right out of a comic book. Yeah, dude. He had this, like, this. it was like just this shadowy spotlight of a, of a, of a, of a godlike figure just raining down from yeah. the sky. 
you know? Yeah, we see how difficult it is for the Avengers to battle Thanos' army. And then to see Thor show up and just, like, kick some serious ass. Like, he Were you really waiting for, showed I, up. I was waiting for that Led Zeppelin song to play again. <laughs> it was in my mind because it was a similar feel at the end of Ragnarok when Thor kind of discovers his, like, lightning powers. It's kind of like that, right? But on a bigger scale. Man, when he brought that Stormbreaker and just started clearing out that army, oh, man, it was awesome. What a satisfying feeling. Yeah. How cool is that? Absolutely. But then he doesn't quite get the job done at the very end, right? Oh, wait, before we hop into that, how cool was Doctor Strange, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Did you, I like. I, I think the moment where he really shined was when he multiplied, you know, hundreds of versions of himself surrounding Thanos. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, we're, we're finally seeing, you know, Doctor Strange unleashing, like, the, the you know, what he's been studying all this time right. and using it. At to, his full powers. Full power. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot about that. Like, he was in one of the best action scenes in the movie with Ebony Maw in New York, but then, like, not long after that, he takes on Thanos, and that's super cool, man. He He... He, like, kind of pulls out all his tricks there, his full arsenal, mm -hmm. and it is pretty amazing. I did wonder why he wasn't making more use of being able to just transport people to other parts of the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, the way he did it with one of the, 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 the darks. Is it Dark Circle? Black Circle guys? Oh, the, uh, the, the Black Order. Black Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he did that once for one of those characters. He did it continuously with Star-Lord when they were fighting Thanos. Oh, right. Kind of yeah. made me wonder, why didn't he make more use of that? Like, was it because they didn't want to show him as a one-trick pony? <laughs> it does beg that question. And here's another question of mine, too, is that that fight, the initial fight scene with Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man, Iron Man, um, Star-Lord, when they were fighting Thanos, and they were struggling to get the glove off of him. And at this point, they, he, hasn't received, he hasn't gotten all the Infinity Stones. Yeah. They almost had his glove off, right? Mm-hmm. They knew the stakes were high. Why didn't they just cut Thanos' arm off? <laughs> that was something that, that, that kind of blared out to me a bit. Okay, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of kind of what-if sort of questions. To me, it was, I mean, the points you bring up are very valid. Like, cut his arm off, or like Doctor Strange wanted to use that, that teleporting power more. I mean, not so much teleporting, the, the portal yeah. transport thing. Right, right. To me, it was his time stone right like he has this great power that he did use at the end of his solo movie right and there was a lot of talk about like you don't want to mess with time so i understand him not wanting to use the time stone all the time willy-nilly right but he did use it when he needed it he needed to use it at the end of dr strange right mm -hmm. and you know, if there's a time to bust it out again, it's... That would have been that moment. It would, it would be against Thanos, right? Uh, so, like, I'm thinking, okay, they weren't able to get the gauntlet off of Thanos, you know, because of Star-Lord. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, Star-Lord messed it up for everybody. Oh, my God. Star-Lord fucked it up for everyone, right? Come on, let's be real. You knew it was coming, too. When <sighs> Tony was just like, don't do it, man. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. And I was thinking, why didn't Tony just knock him out? Like, why didn't he just take out Star-Lord? Yeah. Because Mantis had him subdued. Spider-Man right. almost had the glove off. They had him, man. They had they him. They were so close. But then, of course, we wouldn't have an entire rest of the Infinity <laughs> War movie. Yeah. Or, yeah. And the same goes for, you know, what if 
Doctor Strange use the time stone at that point, turn back time, knock out Star Lord, take off the gauntlet, movie over, right? Um, but that didn't happen. <laughs> and then almost like a slap in the face, uh, Thanos does use the time stone for his own purposes later in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So like he, it shows that you can use this thing to sort of rewrite history. He did it to get the mind stone yeah. from Vision, right? So at what lesser fuck. consequence? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could argue there's a lot of plot holes in this movie, um, but I kind of equate this movie as being a roller coaster ride. It's just like it was nonstop, man. Nonstop thrills. Oh, we, caught, we caught a late show Thursday Dude. night, and it was what over two and a half hours. Yeah, I felt like I could have watched another hour and a half of that movie. It flies by. It flew by fast, and it just doesn't stop. Yeah, 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 definitely. I did want to call out this. So on, on that note about, you know, a lot of characters and this, this big thrill ride of a movie, like it doesn't really work in the way that good films tend to work. Good films tend to stand alone, right? They stand alone as a singular piece of media. There's character development. There's a good story, Etc. Etc. And you know this movie is so unique because you can't watch this movie as a standalone movie. It just doesn't work. If you had never seen any MCU movie before this movie, it wouldn't make any sense, right? I mean, I'm not saying you have to watch every single one beforehand, but if you hadn't seen any, dude, it doesn't make sense. I wouldn't. I I uh, I would argue that it, it still makes sense. You know who the good guy is. You know who the bad guy is. It's just all all of the details and the dialogue and the interaction wouldn't have as much meaning to you if yeah. you haven't seen the previous movies. But to me, that's the primary appeal to this movie. It's those little little interaction, these interactions, these little moments. That's what makes the movie, right? You have to have some background in the MCU. So I will say that. Like, it doesn't really work as a standalone movie. And I also will say this. You know, like... It's just like I said before. It, it's a unique experience. It it doesn't. It, it relies on like the past work of previous movies, right? You know, I think the Russo brothers smartly they didn't do really any character development with the heroes in this movie. They know there's this sort of built-in background. People are aware of it. Um, well, I think really to the, at this at this point, everyone's origin story has been told. Everyone's arc has been displayed. Yeah, and so it's it seemed like they had all the fun stuff to work with. Yeah, you know, let's see how far we can push this. Let's see how many of these guys we can kill. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it was to me, it felt like a very conscious decision. They were like, okay, people know these characters. Let's just hit the ground running let's just go man let's just make this movie like thrills and action and laughs and scaring the shit out of the audience you know it's a thrill ride it's a total thrill ride and on that level it works really 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 well absolutely yep Yep. the other thing i wanted to call out is at the end of the movie there is a sense of like it felt like Everything you just saw was a little bit unnecessary because what happens? You know, Thanos sets out to get all the Infinity Stones and he does meet with some opposition, but ultimately he does exactly what he set out to do, right? So it begs the question, was 
anything in this movie necessary at all. Like all this <laughs> opposition. Ooh, you're you know, getting into Raiders of the Lost Ark territory. That's here. exactly what I'm talking about. Like what Indiana Jones does in Raiders of the Lost Ark amounts to pretty much nothing, right? And what the Avengers do in this movie, I mean, it's an exercise in futility, really, right? And if you think of it that way, it is kind of frustrating, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so Now I, that I think about it. And that goes back to my roller coaster ride analogy. It's sort of like riding a roller coaster. When you're on it, it's totally fun. It's scary. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a thrill ride. But when you get off the roller coaster, you're like, oh, you, you, you exit the same way you went in. And you're like, oh, what was the point of all that? <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would say that the point of all that is that we got to see everyone interact with each other. <laughs> Win or lose. <laughs> right. Let's see. There you go. That's, that's my point. Because if this event didn't happen, none of these guys would have gotten together. Right. So maybe that's, that's, that's the difference there. I would agree. You know, like this movie is about all these little moments, these little interactions, some kick-ass action scenes, and um, just the thrill of it all, you know? And maybe if you want some sort of, uh, progression in the story some closure whatever you want to call it maybe that's the next movie wait for the next one sort of thing right do we need to get into how everyone dies at the end yeah let's let's wrap it up how this movie ends and maybe a little speculation about like what happens next so yeah dude we see some major 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 characters turn into dust yeah and in this movie I, I mean like everyone's equating it to death right but it's 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 more so, in my opinion, the equivalent of Marty McFly from Back to the Future disappearing from the picture and his body like phasing out of existence. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good so comparison. It's not, it's not as gruesome a death as say Gamora or Loki, uh, but it's just the inevitability of being phased out of a timeline that was just really sad for a lot of people. Right, and maybe similar to Back to the Future, you know, Marty McFly doesn't die when he disappears from these photos but you think there's anyone listening that does not know what back to the future is <laughs> i don't think we need to do backstory there um <laughs> but yeah when he disappears he doesn't die but it's like if if we don't do something he will die he will disappear from existence right yeah. so we need to do something um yeah that whole disappearing thing uh, same thing same reaction i wasn't i wasn't like freaked out when t'challa turns to dust or spider-man turns to dust or falcon or bucky or etc it did it did get to a point oh sorry to stop you but sorry, but it did get to a point where it was bucky i think bucky was the first one i think so yeah do you remember who the second one was i don't remember uh, but after the second one it got to a point where it was like oh shit like the, in the next scene okay oh man who's gonna be the next one <laughs> yeah. who's gonna be the next one and it just goes one after the other after the other after the other and it's just completely silent in the theater yeah oh dude it was dark man yeah. oh man and with peter and tony you know it wasn't until this moment that i was that i that i pieced together I, it may have been blurringly obvious to others but it never occurred to me that peter parker was looking at tony stark as a father figure because he doesn't have a parent in his life yeah he has aunt may but yeah. no father figure and to see him cling to tony like what's happening what's happening and if you remember in Homecoming, remember that, that line he had, uh, Tony Stark to Peter, about how, like, something, something, that death is on you, but you dying, that's on me? 
Yes. I think that carried really well into the scene because mm. then it just showed the relationship that Peter and Tony yeah. had. And uh, yeah, that was that was pretty gut wrenching, man. I mean, like you're you're looking. I mean, from I mean, Tony Stark's not a father that we know of, but the way he reacted to someone that he really cares about, mm-hmm. and knowing he can't do anything about it, like that was that was gut wrenching. Absolutely, and yeah, neither character, quote unquote, died, but it's clear to me, especially now after sort of processing a bit, that that scene was the farewell between these two characters like i don't think they're going to see each other again you know and that is very touching you know and i kind of appreciated that they sort of recognized the gravity of that moment Mm -hmm. right so yeah what did happen you know um so thanos snaps his fingers yeah and suddenly everyone's turning to dust yeah Yeah. well not everyone like like half and most most yeah most of the avengers that we know and love so interestingly, the primary original Avengers, none of them turned to dust. We're talking Cap, Thor, Iron Man, and Hulk, right? Yeah. So, my, for, by the way, my initial reaction when Black Panther did not disappear, or when he did disappear, was just like, ah, oh, you know, he's coming back. Exactly. He's got two more movies to do. Exactly. That's how I felt when I saw him disappear, when Spidey disappeared. Actually, when anyone disappeared, because before that moment, before that moment when people started disappearing, I had this this weird sort of uh, emotional roller coaster ride moment where the the finger snapping happened, and then like I'm dude, you could hear a pin drop in the theater, right? It's like what the fuck, <laughs> you know? I, you know, I heard people crying in the theater. Oh my god, I believe it. Then I saw a Cap. And I had this moment of, oh, my God, thank God, Captain America is still alive. And then I saw Thor. And then I saw, like, the original Avengers. And then I had this really, like, uh, my, I had this moment where I felt, like, my stomach dropping to the floor where I, I thought, oh, wait, maybe they're the ones who died. And the people disappearing, they're the survivors. That's a pretty out there yeah, theory. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know about that. And now, I don't know about that now. M- right now, I'm kind of thinking it's like this timeline split. It went from one timeline that's splitting into two. And it's sort of like half and half, right? So that was the whole point of this this exercise mm. of getting the gauntlet and snapping the fingers, right? To sort of split up the timeline. And, you know, so everyone's there'll be like less population to, to crowd the universe. Right. So yeah, I th- kind of think that's where we're at, but dude, there, I don't know. Like there, there, there's a lot of different so possibilities what I'm, here. What I'm thinking is happening here is that Thanos is not annihilating half of the universe. What he's doing is he's rewriting it in a way where he goes back in time and say, Tony Stark, say Tony Stark never gets kidnapped and discovers how to create the arc reactor or say um well yeah so let's say that as an example or maybe maybe uh steve rogers he's not the one selected to be part of the super soldier serum experiment Mm -hmm. you know and i think what we're going to see in the beginning of the next movie is the entire mcu is going to be flipped upside down (laughs) 
Tony Stark's not going to be who he is. Maybe he's like just some bumbling idiot who's not who's not a genius. <laughs> okay. You know, we're going to see that. And then and then the people that have phased away are going to remember the reality that they used to live in and they're going to try to fight to bring back the reality that they knew. Wow, that's out there, dude. That's that's my <laughs> guess. Okay. Well, dude, I mean, as out there Anything's possible. As out there as that is, like you said, anything is possible. Who knows, dude? But you you are you are uh, predicting predicting some serious retconning, <laughs> which is I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if you line it up, and you're talking about this too, if you line it up with like contractual agreements, if there's any way to press a reset button, uh, this is the opportunity to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one note on the vanishing of the superheroes: a very interesting character did not vanish. So, like, basically all the new guard turned to dust, right? We're talking Spidey, Doctor Strange, T'Challa, most of the Guardians of the Galaxy. The reason why I say most is that I noticed that Rocket Raccoon did not vanish. That is super interesting to me. So who didn't vanish? Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, you know, all these original Avengers members. Seemingly because they're going to be phased out of the MCU. But then Rocket was part of that group, too. I, I noticed very specifically that Rocket did not vanish. So where is that going to lead, you know? I don't know. I feel like we need to put one of these maps on the wall <laughs> where we tie, like, thread to, like, see what connects everybody in a certain way. Yeah. What's the single event that Thanos could have stopped that would have, you know, disassembled the Avengers? Yeah. You know, what's that event or or series of events that could have could have changed? Yeah. So many questions. Yeah. There's the question of where is Thanos? Like where is he? Is he in the Cap Iron Man oh, yeah. universe? So, okay. so, so or the the dust dusted people universe or what? So that end scene, I don't know if you remember this, but that end scene where he's sitting looking at the horizon and it's a young Gamora at his side. My my interpretation from that is that he reset the timeline and he's back to where he had the original thought of wanting to, I need to destroy half of the universe. That's where he's going back to. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's actually the opening few pages of uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, if you remember. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do remember that. Oh, So that whole like timeline thing, like in my mind, it was a timeline split, but the uh, the timing of it, was in continuity but you're saying when he snapped his fingers there's this whole time travel aspect to it too time po travel possibly. time rewrite it's <laughs> as if he snapped his fingers and suddenly went back i mean it's possible he thought, Maybe he's got the time right? zone right yeah, yeah. so it's and possible now, now i'm curious if he's aware of what he's doing or he just suddenly oh. he suddenly just wakes up and again it's that same moment when he originally had that thought and um Maybe he reevaluates or rethinks like his position in the universe, and I don't know. Yeah, that's a good Any, point. Anything's possible. It is possible. Um, one other thing I wanted to call out with the great dramatic story arc of Thor in this movie, I have to think in the next movie we're gonna get some reconciliation between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, right? I think the next movie we're gonna get all the juicy stuff with Iron Man and Cap, don't oh, you think? There has to be. I, I mean, think they so. didn't really end it very well with Civil War. Yeah, and it set it up at the beginning of this movie. Like Tony is struggling with his relationship with Cap, and this movie 
really did nothing to further that. So I see that coming in a big way. Let's be real here. How's Cap going to get his shield back? Will he get it back? He'll get it back. I mean, I I think he will too, but uh, yeah, we'll see. And uh, yeah, I think uh, Cap was a side character in this movie. And you could argue that Iron Man had a lesser role than like Thor. So I think Iron Man and Cap are going to come to the forefront in the next Avengers movie. I think Thor had the biggest role. I think so. He was the big, he was the big, you know, he was the big... uh, uh, cornerstone or he was, yeah. yeah he's well for the heroes i think that the 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 central character in this movie is no doubt thanos right it's like thanos and the avengers are just living in his world something like that yeah yeah some people are saying this is not avengers 3 this is thanos 1 yeah right they <laughs> said that ari did ari say that that's right yeah shout out to ari <laughs> good take all right oh, so and by the way yeah. when the end credit scenes were playing yeah I mean, it was rolling, rolling, rolling. You kind of expect like a mid credit scene. That didn't happen. And I looked to my friends. I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be so messed up if this is the first MCU movie where they don't give us a post credit <laughs> yeah, scene yeah. and they just leave us on that note? Mm-hmm. But I was didn't. I was thinking that too. I because thought everything is so different. This is, again, an opportunity for them to make something different. And had they done that, oh, man, I think people would have just – Felt even more sad walking out of yeah, the theater. There would have been middle fingers up in the air, I think. <laughs> Everyone would riot. No, but it ended on a great note because the entire time I was thinking, oh man, where's where, you know, where's Nick Fury at? Yeah. That's right. So there was a post credit scene with Maria Hill and Nick Fury, and it teased Captain Marvel. Oh, right? dude, when that well, first of all, what is Nick Fury doing with a pager? That looked like a pager, right? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a pager. Okay. <laughs> and I think it ties into how the Captain Marvel movie is supposed to take place in the 90s. Oh, oh wait a minute. And that also asked, I'm also wondering too, remember the phone that Tony Stark pulled out really early in the film? Yeah. It was an old school flip phone. It wasn't mm-hmm. an iPhone or an Android. That's right. That's right. So there's going to be some sort of uh, 90s uh, connection, right, with the Captain Marvel movie. Yeah. And I think, it, so it presumably Captain Marvel gives Nick Fury this pager in the 90s you know samuel jackson is confirmed for that movie so presumably he gets his pager and it's sort of like page me if shit goes down and that's exactly what happened at the end of this movie right so we'll see we'll see what happens okay so the conversation definitely doesn't end here uh but part two phase two <laughs> i mean we'll, we'll we'll continue talking about this movie till yeah. the end of existence and even then, we'll use the time stone. We'll go back in time and continue talking about it. That means you or I, one of us, will not be at this table the next time around. Who's it going to be? Who's going to turn to dust? Who's going to turn to dust? <laughs> okay. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Rainier.